Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, the reason we do that is because we know our world is often a challenging place to live, and if we don't have those life skills, we're probably not going to succeed well. And of course, one of the phenomenons that we're experiencing right now in our world is all of the uh, infighting and disagreement, and it just feels like there's more to disagree about maybe than ever before, and we're seeing it pop up everywhere. We are. In fact, not long ago, I had a dear friend who swore to me that anybody who celebrates Easter is cursed. Choose the word cursed. <laughs> I, yeah. love the, I mean, it sounds like we're in the, the medieval times. I know, I know. And I thought, cursed? Seriously? And, and Easter, I, I, you know, not, yeah. it's not a witch's cauldron. I know. So, but, but even before that, three weeks earlier, I met somebody who believes that the world is flat, uh-huh. and anybody that thinks otherwise has been duped by the government— yeah, you know the Neil Armstrong moon landing was all they snuck it past up. us. That's right. Yeah, uh, and in January, uh, the, you know, a few months ago now, six months ago, I spoke to a group of people who feel the attack on the Capitol uh, just a few days before the inauguration was actually directed by God on evil bureaucrats. So, and we all know people on all sides, but Absolutely. the point is there are so many sides right now. Yeah, and it's like we can't seem to exchange about this and process what makes sense. It's like um, it's just like an all or nothing. It, it's you're either right or you're wrong. No, it's black and white. Uh, you're good or you're evil. You're woke or you're zizzed. You know, it's it's one or the other. Yeah, and and you and I both know that may look good on paper, but that's not how life is. There's a little dark in every one of us. There's a little yep. light in every one of us. Yep. We're all stumbling forward. We're all a little lost from time to time in our way. And need to acknowledge a mistake, you know. I did today. Yep. Uh, so, you know, that's just how it is. In fact, um, talk about this for a minute, Andrew. Uh, psychologists talk about these cognitive distortions. In many ways, that's what this black or white thing is. It's a cognitive distortion. Absolutely, yeah. I, I don't know if you've heard the term cognitive distortions, but these are mindset um, alterations almost that we have done that lead us to believe untrue Thanks, right? So there's actually, I think there are almost over a hundred of these different kinds of cognitive distortions. But when you experience an extremist view or a, a really, really, a view that's really, really far on one side or the other, whatever side of the aisle you're yeah, on, yeah. it typically is connected with things, things like these, the cognitive distortions, whether it's uh, mental filtering, if you've heard that term before, this is where you focus only on the negative and fail to see the positive. Yep. Yep. We see that happening all the time. Uh, jumping to conclusions is another cognitive distortion where you make irrational judgments about people or context. Isn't this happening? Yeah. A whole lot of jumping to conclusions. Black and white thinking, seeing things as all nothing or right or wrong or, or whatever it is. Uh, overgeneralization, which is where you make a broad generalization from just a little bit of evidence. This little thing was true, therefore all of that must be true. Or then the magnification minimization, where you either magnify or minimize the realities of people. So you either make something really big that's actually small, or you make something small yeah. that's big. But all of these are examples of what's often happening in our culture. No doubt about it. So what intrigues us listeners here at Growing Leaders is there's some new research that came out that's, that's stopped us in our tracks 
a research psychologist recently completed studies on the mental health of everyday individuals. Yeah. Okay. These are not in some insane asylum or whatever. They're, they're everyday people that you would meet on the street. The researchers found that ide- ideological attitudes mirrored cognitive decision-making. Okay? Interesting. Yeah. And this is according to a study published in the Journal of Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Society B. So um, Dr. Leoy Zim, uh, Zimgrad, uh, who's a junior research fellow at the Department of Psychology at the University of Cambridge, okay, so this is in the UK, said, and I quote, people with extremist attitudes tended to think about the world in black and white terms and struggled with the complex tasks that required intricate mental steps. Isn't that interesting? So they weren't able to go deeper. And I, I want to be very careful, to because we all get think weird sometimes. Yes. But he said they're not able to think about complicated or complex issues. It's just black or white. Isn't it simpler to say black or white? Yep. That guy's the enemy. That guy's my friend. I hate you. I love you. Yep. Rather than saying, no, we, we need to kind of meet in the middle here. Absolutely. And it's interesting, the, that opening term of ideological attitudes and the connection to decision-making, right? Yeah. So the, the mindset here is the more extremist my ideologies tend to be, yeah. the more simplistic I am in yeah. how I make decisions, right? Yeah. And that, yeah. to me, is a sign of some problems. Yeah, no doubt. So let me quote uh, this doctor again. Individuals or brains that struggle to process and plan complex action sequences. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. So they're, they're unable or they struggle to, to process and plan complex action sequences, may be more drawn to extreme ideologies or authoritarian ideologies that simplify the world. Mm. Another feature of people with tendencies toward extremism appeared to be that they were not good at regulating their emotions. Interesting. So don't we see people outraged yeah. on social media or outraged here or there? And by the way, it's on all sides of the, of the issues and both sides of the aisle. Um, meaning they were impulsive and they sought out emotionally evocative experiences. So that kind of helps us understand what kind of individual might be willing to go in and commit violence against others. Mm. So I'm not saying everybody that that has a cognitive distortion is going to commit an act of violence, but they're going to be more prone to. So listeners, let's evaluate our own lives for a minute. I'm doing that right now. We've got to be thinking, how are we able to rationally process things? Can we see things beyond just black and white? Is there some gray? And can we make some conclusions that are well thought through, or do we just race to an extreme conclusion? Absolutely. The word, the term that we're really discussing around here is perspective, right? Yeah. How, how often and how well are we able to see things from another point of view or recognize the presence of nuance? I feel like the word nuance is going to become more yeah. and more important yeah. as our world continues in uh, all of this. And I think um, to make the connection to developing young people, if a young person was able to recognize there's a there are multiple perspectives on every issue and what it would do is help them invite nuance into the discussion into the into their thought processes and help keep them from making a decision based on one of these cognitive distortions that we talked no about no doubt so one important finding before we get to what do we do about this uh, participants who are prone to dogmatism mm. we all know a dogmatic person stuck in their ways and relatively resistant to credible evidence, actually have a problem with processing evidence, even at the perceptual level. Mm. So this is a problem. And that's why we titled this session today, The Case for Why a Broader Perspective is a Crucial 
skill your students need. Absolutely. So think about just as a kind of final thought on this before we move to how do we actually expand their perspective? What happens when a student does not have this perspective? Yeah. What happens if they've grown up in a in a community that doesn't push them or allow for them to think about the world with nuance? Often it's going to keep them from being able to make complex choices yeah. to realize the right decision in a socially nuanced uh, situation and yeah. aren't those things that they're going to need because our world is not getting simpler it's yeah. actually getting more complex yeah. and to rush to simple conclusions is actually going to set our kids up for failure so andrew i'm even thinking just this hot off the press here in my brain i'm just thinking about the last couple of months remember hearing not long ago about that horrible shooting by a young man in Colorado mm -hmm. in that store parking lot or well inside the store but then they, he was we were we saw him being ushered out there was mental health issues there yeah. but not just uh, he's anxious or depressed or whatever he was processing and coming to this conclusion this is the best thing to do with how i feel right now Absolutely. and of course bad decision which and a simplistic decision right the world yeah, is right. all in black and white yes. and therefore it's an easy choice for me to choose violence in this scenario because all these people are necessarily bad or wrong or whatever. Yeah, yeah. doesn't uh, matter who I shoot. They're all bad. Yeah, exactly. No doubt about it. And uh, obviously, that's an extreme example of what can happen. The reality is the average kid in our classroom is just as um, needs this skill of perspective yeah. just as much. No doubt. So what we thought we would do, listeners, is we thought we'd spend the, the rest of our time talking about specific actions that enable students to build a broader perspective. If your goal is like ours, that we really believe we got to build a, a broader perspective, we want to give you some very doable steps that will help you do that. You want to set that up with anything else? No, Andrew? I think that's okay. great. Let's jump into number okay. one. So number one, uh, it's very doable, but it's going to take, it's going to, you have to get a process, kind of complex. Here. Yes. Ask your class to take sides on a current issue, okay? That will not be hard. We all have sides and opinions because we've been on social media, okay? Then have them prepare to debate for the other side that they've taken. I love that. So, yeah, I, I voted this way or I thought this way. Now I've got to argue for the opposite perspective. This has forced them to study and to see things from an opposing point of view and actually argue on behalf of that view. I'm not saying they have to change their mind, but they have to be able to think through, why would someone believe this? Yes. That's very helpful. I love that. When I've, when I've done this in a really short way, because often I don't have the ability to you know, yeah. teach a whole class or whatever, I'll quite simply present a view, give two options, and actually have them move to one physical yes. side of the yes. room or the we other done that. Yeah. and you know, defend their side. And then I'll say, okay, what's the answer in the middle. Somebody yeah. help me find a place in between these two. And that could be a really great way to start getting their brain thinking of, you know what, in seeing it only from one perspective, I'm missing pieces of what's really going on. So I love that. I remember our team at a team retreat, uh, we had a line in the middle. And remember, yes. here's this issue, take sides. And yes. we could stand kind of sort of in the middle, but not nobody could stand on the middle line. Not we directly, had to yes. Yeah. And then we were, okay, why? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Okay, yeah. what, what about this side? It was really helpful. Yeah. It made us think. Yes, and especially get you moving, which kids yeah, really love. Right. <laughs> it's a fringe benefit. It's true. All right, number two. The second action is build the habit in students to speak as if they believe they're right, but then to listen as if they believe they're wrong. I love that. We've mentioned this. This is a journey I'm on even this year. Uh, this is a habit I've chosen to, to, to practice because I get so convinced on my thought is right. And the good news is I'm, I often get it right. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, ask anybody, including my wife, sometimes I get it wrong. We all but do. This is just a really helpful 
In fact, I think both. This, this helps our confidence and our humility, right? Yes. Uh, so I think this is good. So speak as if you believe you're right, but then listen just as passionately as if you believe, I may not be right, I better take in somebody else's input. So obviously this is a statement you can put on your wall, but even taking a little bit of time near the beginning of class when you know, hey, it's going to be a, you know, yeah. a, rive, a, a really exciting discussion, we're going to have disagreement, to go ahead and talk about, okay, what is what is speaking as if you believe you're right look like? Yeah. Well, it's yes. about confidence, mm-hmm. it's about tone, it's about clarity, right? Yeah. All good yes. things. Yeah. Okay, now let's talk about what is listening as if I believe I'm wrong look like? Oh well, it means I don't think about what I'm going to say yes. as the other person yes. is talking, or yeah. I'm I'm really trying hard to empathize and see things from that person's point of view. And you can actually let the students talk about what is yeah. what would this actually look like if we were going to practice yeah. it, and then those could almost become rules or guidelines yeah. for how you have discussions around hot topics inside of the classroom. Yeah, it just forces you to listen with a hungry mind. I love that. Good. Number three, create and use a talking stick. So this is actually one of our habitudes in course number two. Divide the students into groups based on their opinions about an issue, okay? Only the student holding the stick, this talking stick that you've created, can actually speak. Nobody else not holding a stick. That's that's a double negative. (laughs) Nobody else that's... Not holding a stick. Anybody that's not holding a stick. There we go. Bingo. uh, Can't speak, okay? Oh, I just added another negative. (laughs) Oh, well. I think they get it. That's, I think so, too. So this is actually, we explained this in the chapter on the talking stick. This is a Native American custom from a couple of hundred years ago yeah. where tribes of Native Americans would avoid uh, conflict within a tribe or even battles between tribes Yes, because they would sit down, warring parties would sit down, one party would hold the stick, and only they could speak, nobody, and then you would hand the stick off to the other side for them to weigh in. And usually, through listening through an issue wholly and totally, yep. you came to a, 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 a good solution. And the goal here, and this is a really good practice for this, is the person holding the stick doesn't hand that stick off until they feel heard. Yeah. That's sort of the principal rule. And what's cool is there's a lot of cultures that do this. We actually, in our research, recently found lots of cultures in Africa that have a very similar yeah. um, practice. And so whatever, whether it's a talking stick or a ball you throw around yeah. the classroom or whatever yeah. it is, find some way for students to to realize that they have a right to be heard, right? And a right to feel heard inside of these conversations. And a tool like that can help kind of make it happen in a really easy way inside of the classroom. I got a letter and I got a box in the mail years ago when I first uh, wrote the this Habitude course. And the, what was in the box was a talking stick. Oh, they cool. decorated it with all kinds of meaningful symbols. And they said, we want you to have this. It's now solved our crisis. They had had big debates on their campus. It was a college campus. And they said, this <laughs> resolved our problem. <laughs> and we wanted you to have the, you know, the, the symbol. I love but it was that. so fun. For years, I kept that until we moved offices. That's uh, just a reminder, this actually does work. Okay. I love it. Number four, when introducing a subject, always clarify all sides of the issue so your students can understand there may be logic to opposing viewpoints. Yeah. That doesn't mean they can't take a viewpoint, Absolutely. but they got at least here, ah, 
from the referee, the neutral party, here are two really good, credible reasons to think this way. So teachers need to be sure to explain various angles, especially on controversial subjects. Absolutely. There's nothing worse than getting 20 minutes into an argument and yeah. realize you're defining terms differently. Yeah, yeah you that's know? right. Yeah. We're not on the same page about what it is exactly we're talking about. And so taking time to explain both sides, to define the terms of the disagreement, really helps clarify this and helps us all be on the same page about what we're actually talking about so that we can actually figure out where do, where does the disagreement really come down to. No doubt. All right, the last one, number five. Agree on the rule that no one can react to a social media post without first bouncing it off of an objective third party. Love it. That would be great for all of us. It would indeed. Um, uh, foster reflection over reaction. Uh, cultivate thought over emotion. Uh, this forces students to slow down and think critically. I, I remember years ago bouncing it off of team members here, Holly and others, and, and they would always say, now, now think about what you're saying. You know, yeah. oh, yeah, that's right. You know, yep. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grown adult. Well, you might debate that, but <laughs> I think I'm an adult. And, and uh, I'm telling you, this is good for students. It's good for us. Yep. Uh, it just helps us see the broader perspective. Absolutely. At the very least, one of the principles that my wife and I follow is before you post, before you send an email that you're kind of yeah. back and forth on, at least sleep on it, right? Yeah, Have right. somebody else look at it, sleep on it, and make sure you're really satisfied with those uh, those words that you're about to say. And that helps you. It gives your brain space to really process it. Because a lot of the mental processing that we do is subconscious, right? Yeah, yeah. And so if you're trying to do it all in your conscious brain, you're not going to be able to really process it fully. And so giving it time oftentimes is a good component of this. I bet many of our listeners know this, but after Abraham Lincoln died, he was shot and killed. They went into the Oval Office and found in a drawer of his desk several written but unsent letters. Mm. And all of them were reactions, but he thought, I need to sleep on this, and he never sent them. And they were more than just the day before, and he wasn't able to send them. He chose not to send them. Wow. Isn't that interesting? A drawer so, full of wise choices is what it <laughs> yeah, sounds like. Right. Yeah. And he was so good with opposition. Mm. Um, so anyway, Andrew, I would contend, and this is a point, listeners, I want you to hear, that adults, not just students, need this broader perspective Absolutely. as well. And we parents can be the worst when it comes to keeping perspective. We get caught up on the here and now and not the broader perspective. So, um, Andrew, I thought I would read uh, a note. Um, Please do. This is a note that was um, sent by one of our international partners, uh, but I thought, oh my gosh, this pertains to us in the U.S. as well. Absolutely. So it was a letter sent, sent by a school principal to parents of his students, okay? Okay. Note for the principal to the parents. It was sent the week before final exams, so that was a very timely time when parents were probably riding on their, come on, get your, you know, get ready, you're yep. going to get that scholarship, okay? Yep. So I'll just read the letter, and I'll let you close this out. He writes, Dear parents, the exams of your children are to start soon. I know that you're really anxious for your children to do well. But please do remember, amongst the students who who will be sitting for the exams is an artist who doesn't need to understand math. Hmm. There's an entrepreneur who doesn't care about history or English literature. There's a musician whose chemistry marks won't matter. There's an athlete whose physical fitness is more important than physics. If your child does not get, or excuse me, if your child does get top marks, that's great. But if he or she doesn't, please don't take their self-confidence and 
dignity from them. Tell them it's okay. It's just an exam. They are cut out for much bigger things in life. There's the broader perspective. Yes. Tell them no matter what they score, you love them and you'll not judge them. Our kids, I believe, need us to lead the way in having a broader perspective. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Well, thank you, Tim, so much for leading us through these conversations. Obviously, all of the things we're talking about, in fact, perspective itself is even a, a competency of the essential life skills we know today. today's kids need. Often that's called social and emotional learning. It's literally called in, in SEL and in Castle's competencies, perspective taking, as yeah, in the yeah. ability to take the perspective of, of another right. person's point of view, see the world from a different way. Um, if you are interested in building skills like perspective taking inside of your students or your children or your athletes, whatever your context is, we want to invite you to check out Habitudes. Uh, Habitudes are simply images that form leadership habits and attitudes. They're images, metaphors, and stories that teach really important life skills like the one we've been talking about today. And we believe that these are the skills that are absolutely going to transform a student's life, right? It's not reading, writing, and arithmetic, but it is essential life skills that build a student, get a student ready for success in life. And so if you're interested in picking that up, we have Habitudes for Social Emotional Learning High School Edition as well as Middle School Edition. It comes via Habitudes on, on Online, a state-of-the-art program where you can get all the tools you need to have these really important conversations in your context. And if you want to find out more about this, head on over to growingleaders.com SEL. That's growingleaders.com SEL. You can check out the program, watch some videos about it, and actually even get a free sample so you can start using it and see what it looks like uh, today. So I invite you to go check that out growingleaders.com slash SEL. As always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. That gets the word out about what we're doing here. And you also can quite literally get the word out by sharing this podcast with somebody who you believe may find it useful. So we invite you to do that as well. Uh, if you want to connect with us online, on social media, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, whether it's people you want us to interview, uh, subjects you want us to cover, things you want us to talk about, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those from you. Tim, thank you again for talking to us about having a broader perspective. Go out there, lead your students well, and we'll see you next time.